Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Building your dream, work-life balance, scaling up, discussing the topics that matter most to entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane want to connect after the podcast you can find me at www.meetrivers.com okay i've had the opportunity to spend about 10 women minutes talking to this next guest and i'm going to tell you look out energy because we're just thrilled to have devin brooks on our show today devin accomplished international success at the young age of 21 as she started her company blow blow dry bar a blow dry only session styling concept that's innovating the beauty industry. With over 90 locations in four countries, the largest blow-dry bar in the world, Devin grew her innovative hairstyling empire through relentless hard work and strategic partnerships with brands like Mattel and Gwyneth Paltrow. Devin is the co-founder and CEO of Sphere App, also a world-class coaching company, and she's the youngest mentor ever to sit on the board of directors of Futurepreneur. And that's right, I said ever. <laughs> <laughs> now a mentor of Futurepreneur, she's helped new entrepreneurs raise over $200,000 to date. And on top of being an entrepreneurial powerhouse, she is a socially conscious activist who is passionate about giving a voice to those who have experienced trauma. And actually in 2017, Devin built BabeRally.org as a digital information platform for women to share their experiences and gain resources on sexual trauma. Devin's name can be found across multiple awards lists as she's made the top 30 under 30 a number of times. Sooner or later, she's not going to be on that list because <laughs> she's soon going to be past the age 30. of 30. But 
<laughs> but pretty darn good for being there multiple times from companies like Marketing Magazine, Chatelaine, and Profit Magazine. Devin was one of 15 selected to participate in the G20 Young Entrepreneurship Summit in 2011 and 2012 and was recently recognized as a leading Canadian who's shaping the economy by the Minister of Labor and the status of women. In today's podcast, we're going to talk to Devin about identifying market gaps and how she's using business as a medium for positivity and change amongst all kinds of epic stuff that's going to happen, I'm sure. So Devin, XL Rivers, way to go. Awesome stuff. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. You were ahead of the curve when your parents named you because now it's all about the nature names. <laughs> it's totally it. Totally it. You know, actually, one time I uh, I went on Facebook and uh, and because, I mean, growing up with that, that name was John or Mary and had the name Rivers in. So I've always been looking for the people who had the similar name. So I went on Facebook when it, it, it came out and, and I found there was 400 of them on Facebook. Interesting enough, half of them were women and half of them were men. And uh, yours truly was the grandfather of them all. So I lay claim to the fact that I'm the one that started it. But thank you for that. I appreciate it. So Devin, we're going to take a little journey with you. I know it's going to be awesome. And uh, But give us a taste as to when the listeners leave here, what are you hoping that they will take away from our, uh, our talk today? Oh, I would say that a little bit of... of insight into this process, this perpetual process of being an entrepreneur and that being a great entrepreneur is in fact a process which is perpetual, that it takes audacity and that you have to be committed to pushing boundaries, defying the status quo and seeking new information about yourself and the world. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And and you've really started that in a very, very narrow kind of niche within a very big, big niche uh, with your uh, blow, blow dry bar, which is the largest <laughs> on the freaking planet, which is really, really cool. Um, and I, I Tell us about that journey, because I think I, I, I'm so intrigued with them. When I work with entrepreneurs, I'm always like, find your innovative, you know, your, your zag when everybody else is zigging. And it doesn't have to be about conquering the world in the laboratory. Tell us about that journey that was like, aha, that's what I'm going to do. Oh man. You know, um, so that business I co-founded with my mom and a very close friend of ours who's become one of our best friends. And her and I, Judy is her name. We knew we wanted to do something together. And, um, she had been an entrepreneur my whole life. We had been talking since I was 16 or 17 about different concepts, things we wanted to grow and start together. And we were always rinsing through different ideas, you know, over a glass of wine or a shandy in London when I was going to school. (laughs) And, um, one day we were we were on a phone call and uh, she was telling me about this event she had gone to. She had had a couple businesses um, beforehand. And so she was at this top hundred women in Canada event. And she was like, Dev, I was looking around the room and all these women, the most powerful women in Canada. And they all looked like shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Talk about beat around the bush. They look like shit. I love it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I say it that way because it really was a measure of my mom looking around and being like, why is this? You know, these are, these are the women who are out there um, running and growing companies and, you know, that have resources and yet 
And yet still, um, what is it? And it really came down to the hair that was really kind of unpolished. And we sat there and after our, our giggle about the state of women and hair in Canada, we went, why is that? You know, what is it because it's too expensive? Does it take too long? Like, why aren't women getting their hair done? And why are they walking around looking like a hot mess? And, um, and it really came down to this. Um, I can just see your marketing campaign now. Your hair looks like shit. Why are you walking around looking like a hot mess? Come on in. We can help you. I love it. Sorry to interrupt, but I love I love how this conversation's going. No, it is. And it was all about convenience, right? Because we're talking about you know high performance people. And it was because there was no experience that was fast, affordable, consistent, convenient. And so, you know, really busy career women, they just didn't have the time, even if they had, you know, the financial resources to go and get their hair done. They didn't have an hour and a half, three times a week to have a wash and a style in a salon concept where they were um, really just not being catered to. And so my mom and I kind of looked at the emergence of nail bars, which really was. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really was, uh, existed in two formats at that time, which was like the quick and dirty kind of, um, uh, low level nail bar concept. And then what was just emerging, which was really this more kind of experience centric nail bar concept. And we thought, well, oh gosh, like there needs to be one of those for hair. There's a way to do this. And what would we call that? And we kind of just chalked it up on the phone in, <laughs> in two minutes and said, okay, well, that's a blow dry bar. If you're coming in and you're getting you're getting session styling, no cuts, no colors. We're going to call this a blow dry bar. And what we did at the time, um, although we didn't realize it was we had really defined a new market category and mm-hmm. sector. Mm. And so when we came into market, you know, the challenge, the inherent challenge of being the first to market is that there is so much education. You, <laughs> you are educating the, the industry and consumers and the people you're going to employ on what you are and why it's of value. Uh, Right on. So, you know, that was for us, it was really about identifying that, that need, creating a solution to the problem. The problem was that it was not convenient. It was not affordable. And so people weren't accessing the services that existed. So we made it convenient, affordable and catwalk quality consistent. And, and then we created a really beautiful high level experience around it. That was, you know, community centric and aesthetically pleasing. And it meant that women could walk in the door and for about $30 be out in about 30 minutes and on with their. Mm. And so how do you, how did you educate them? Did you give them trials? Did you uh, charge them $10 instead of $30? How'd you get that, that, that customer experience? Because I'm sure just word of mouth flew from them once the experiences start to happen. What was your take to market plan initially to, to education plan? One of the inherent gifts of my co-founders and I, Val Litwin and Judy Brooks, was um, the way we're, we're really able to articulate a message and brand. For us, you know, in a in a time when there's so much um, influence on you know things like cost per acquisition, um, what it really came down to 
in educating the market wasn't, you know, some discount. Instead, it was actually coming in with really strong catapulting messaging. And that was um, really edgy slogans like just blow me or you're not cheating on your hairdresser or because yeah. <laughs> you can't blow yourself. And we would print these signs on huge magenta glossy poster boards. And as we were building out new locations in new geographical areas, we would just plastic cover all of our windows with them. And we get a lot of people stopping to take pictures. And really quickly, you know, in addition to that messaging, what we started to do was we'd go out into the community and we actually went and befriended all of the neighboring salons and um, mm. beauty concepts. And, you know, we really did take the old school approach of the, you know, the founding team marching in there, shaking hands, being dressed on brands with brand messaging and saying, hey, you know, we're a blow dry bar and in your salon, you, you're not built to leverage blow dries. You guys don't make huge margins off of it where your margins are is in cuts and colors. And we want to push that business to you. So, you know, mm -hmm. people are going to be coming in asking for asking for the best, you know, place to get cuts and colors. And we'd love to be able to refer them to you and have you refer blows dry, blow dries to us. And I'd say about 80% of um, smart business people and other beauty concepts really got it right away. They're like, duh, why would I want to do blow dries? I don't make enough money off of that. I'll mm -hmm. let someone else do it and totally build a relationship with this new concept blow. And then you'd have like 20%, which is just like, you know, active or passive resistance, which was either they didn't get it, they weren't savvy enough, or they were um, competitive to a disadvantage, meaning that they weren't yeah, willing to yeah. embrace what we were going to do for each other. Yeah. And screw them. Don't worry about it. You know, why, why bother battling against the 20% the that didn't get it, particularly when you had that high rate of 80%. I mean, that's just, that's really awesome though. How did you, how did you deal with, with making sure that they all got a piece of Devin's referrals? Yeah. Um, you know, really it, it, it does come down to community. And I think that that is the, regardless of whether you are a digital business, a brick and mortar business, or, you know, a mix of in the flesh and, and online, um, ultimately everything is about quality community and you can't fake that. You can't, that's mm. not something that you can, um, manifest with, without integrity, people, people can smell that they can sense it. And, um, you really have to understand your, your value prop and you have to go make, um, assert that value proposition and that message and make it very clear the ways in which you're going to be supporting that community. And so that's what we did in every, in every geographical area that we expanded, uh, in, which we started across Canada and then went into the States and beyond. Um, every time we took the same approach, which was we'd go to, like I say, all the, all the other beauty concepts, we'd make those personal introductions. We'd send out our team in pink wigs and, and full, mm. uh, you know, like pink tutus and just really eye catching, fun, lighthearted, um, outfits and have them, um, introduce themselves, you know, bring collateral, answer questions. Cause so much of education is just, you know, being able to fill the information gap and, and be there to catch people's mm -hmm. good questions. Um, mm. and then in addition, you know, we 
make sure that we, we went not only to the obvious sector, which was beauty, which we were in, but then we went to uh, all the neighboring hotels and restaurants and we would do things like um, information nights for guest services and um, concierges at hotels. And we would treat them all to a blow dry, serve them champagne. Mm. And so it was really truly about, hey, if, if you're going to be out there referring services to us from clients, um, you need to have the experience and be able to talk about it firsthand. So let's have you in and have you loving this. Um, mm. So we really, really took that approach of building community to heart. And that was because it was inherently important for me and my co-founders. Yeah, I, I love it. And I'm, I'm, I know the answer to this question, but I think it's important to reinforce your investment in having the, your referral chain uh, be uh, experienced, having experience with what it is you're having to offer. So you regarded that as an investment, not necessarily a, a an expense, I'm sure, on your ledger. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we're so – it's such a different <laughs> – it's such a different day and age, too, because, you know, like we – when we launched – so this is 10 years ago. I'm 31 this year. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And, you know, when we founded this concept, I was 21. I was in my third year of university. Um, Hootsuite, you know, was launching that later, later that year. Twitter hadn't happened yet. Instagram hadn't happened yet. Like the influencer marketing era had not happened yet. And we, um, you know, there were a couple brands at that time. We were one of them. And I think the other one that I'd really classify as being ahead of the curve was, um, particularly in Canada was vitamin water in terms of understanding, you know, how to nurture relationships with community in a meaningful way and really that influencer marketing. But over time, um, it has become a really empty space. And now you go online and you see somebody getting paid to, know, you know, talk about some chocolate bar that they will never eat. Cause in fact, when right. you know them personally, you know, they eat all vegan and organic. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it yeah. really does come down to, um, authenticity and you have to know your market because it's not about, you know, a catch all that's not community. Community is about being there for the people in which your product is deeply meaningful and has deep value to them, whatever it is. Right on. Well, let's, let's, that's a great segue into the conversation next about Mattel and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, you've approached those two brands to, uh, to partner with and grow blow. Can you, can you talk about, can you talk about, um, what was the strategy behind I me? Mean, Cause when I think of Mattel, of course, I think of the, you know, the kids, the kids lines, the toys and so on. Is there uh, what was the strategy between uh, your blow and these two organizations? Oh to God, come those together? are just like, those are just a couple of the many companies. There's more? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so many partnerships we we had, you know, I, I think that when you go into market with such a clear um, and high impact brand message, it's really, really um, powerful and, and, and invigorating and fun. And so, you know, within year one, we had tons of mega brands approaching us, um, you know, from H and M to Mattel, as you say, and, Mm. um, whether it was to do, you know, in-store pop-ups or collaborative events or, you know, a series of parties or a product, whatever it was. And so, you know, we really, 
we went into market as a 600, 700 square foot location, you know, in Vancouver, uh, which is not particularly known for disrupting the beauty business. <laughs> that, you know, like it's, and, and really nobody should have cared about this tiny little location in Vancouver, but we caught the world's attention and we caught the attention of some of the biggest brands and companies around the globe. And that was because of the way we went into market with such clear right explosive brand messaging and back that up with an experience that was of, of value and of integrity. And so, you know, I, I, I hate to say that it was easy to manifest those kinds of partnerships, but it it, it really wasn't, um, it wasn't difficult because we had such integrity in our, in our brand messaging and, and it was truly being lived in every touch point of, of blow, blow, dry bar. And so I, I think it really organically attracted those kinds of relationships where there was a shared, uh, sentiment, mood or vision. Um, with, you know, with, uh, with the partnerships that have come out of, um, blow to date, uh, I think that that's one of the beautiful things of, um, being a founder and, mm. and, and exiting your business, um, when you have built systems, uh, of such mm-hmm. strength, because we have, we've left four or five, five years, five years ago, um, three, all three founders have left and the business has continued to thrive, grow, sell franchises, make, you know, make, um, really high impact deals. And that, that is, a direct result of the systems that we built and the way we articulated culture into deep systems. Love it. Love it. I've always said you got to build your business so you can work in it if you want to, not because you have to. And uh, you've reinforced that with uh, with your focus on systems. <clears throat> I love also the fact is that you grew through partnerships. I mean, it's so true. Everybody tries to, not everybody, a lot of people try to, you know, build their own internally when there's such epic value in connecting with those uh, with those partnerships, including franchise growth, which is part of your uh, your, uh, your your growth strategy too. So, so thank you for taking us on that journey. I want to I want to slip to the other side uh, or in other side, not the other side, because I'm sure there's many sides of Devin Brooks. But um, as a survivor and now advocate for those who have experienced sexual trauma, you focus your approach in the creation of BabeRally.org. Uh, I know there's people in this audience, coast to coast, thousands of them that are kind of leaning in right now to tell. So they want it, you they want to hear about the platform. What are your goals? Um, and and then we can kind of sprinkle in some importance of social change, but uh, you know the importance of that. But I'm more interested on that initiative for you, what it's meant for you, and the people that you've impacted. Yeah, the goal of Babe Rally is to offer a beautiful editorial style experience that makes information and education about the landscape accessible, digestible, and compelling. And that was a super organic um, next step for me. You know, I had, um, if we circle back to when I launched Blow with my co-founders, 
it was three months after we opened our doors and had, you know, already colossal success and a double page spread in Hello Magazine that I was attacked for the second time. And mm. the first time I was 18, I was raped. Um, I, in a completely unrelated incident, just after founding Blow, I was attacked in my own home by a former boyfriend um, who uh, held me against my will in my home at knife point mm. for seven hours until I was able to um, talk him out of my house, have him drop the weapon and turn himself in. Wow. And that was reality for me, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety and depression and growing my business while I was in the depths of those um, three experiences um, was reality for me. And and so as a 21-year-old, um, at the beginning of my uh, entrepreneurial career, growing and scaling and leading teams while I was dealing with these really, really um, deep challenges um, yes. was led me to a, a very um, conscious decision to be explicit about what I had endured. And I had always been really out, um, outspoken, but what I realized by the time I was kind of 22, 23, after my, um, my kind of key diagnosis with PTSD, um, was that if I was going to be given this platform as a young leader to take stages and to guide and mentor and support um, creatives and professionals with ambitions, um, the reality is knowing the statistics that I do around sexual trauma in particular, but, but all trauma is that people are going to go through monumental life changes mm -hmm. while they're trying to fulfill their dreams and ambitions. Mm -hmm. And it was this sort of aha moment, as you say, where I went, oh my goodness, like I'm going to do people a huge disservice if I ever take a stage or speak to an individual without speaking to this experience directly, because otherwise people look at you from a distance and think, oh, you know, lucky for Devin, this was all so easy or she had this set up. But the reality is there are so many people around the world with huge ambitions who go, who are going through really deep stuff right now. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the, um, the, the launch of Babe Rally was after almost a decade of supporting nearly a hundred women, um, who'd been directly impacted by sexual trauma, um, who were career professionals and entrepreneurs and creatives and ambitious women who wanted to go and get something and wanted to do that, um, you know, not necessarily in spite of what they'd experienced. And so... I, I decided that, you know, it was time to create a platform that sort of tethered this editorial and educational piece, um, because there was really nowhere to land. And that's what had come out of, you know, this, all of these conversations, uh, with women and also in my own learnings, you know, when I went out to get resources as a young leader, um, nothing was speaking to me. There were a ton of great resources out there, um, and, and crisis centers, but nothing was speaking speaking to me in the way, um, that I wanted to be addressed and acknowledged. And so what I realized was there was this huge opportunity to create a digital platform that tethered these stories together, that represented the collective experience and that did it in a way, in a tone and in a matter, um, that, um, that hadn't been done yet.
Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this with great respect. Fortunately, you're in a good audience with the people that I've interviewed. We've had lots of guests that have shared their experiences of, uh, of very unfortunate, uncomfortable fear, fear uh, processes and so on, including depression with myself. And I think that that's important to talk about that story because of, uh, because of how it can help people for sure. So uh, high five to you for, uh, for being willing to do that. And, and at, at, a vet, at a much more formal and structured level, I think that that's, uh, that's very, very cool. And it's uh, just so our audience knows it's, is it literally babrally.org? That's how they can, uh, they can get in contact with you. Yes. Thank you. It is babrally.org. And you know, if you've been directly impacted or know someone who has, and are ready to tell that story, Babe Rally is the place for you and it has your back and you'll be able to work with an editorial team that will help you tell your story in a really strong way that feels cathartic and empowering and invigorating. And we're working with um, artists to be able to create uh, those stories in an editorial style Mm. experience, um, which launches in the next couple of months. So babrally.org. That's so cool. What I love about this story too, and you know, I, I got to tell you, I hate the word social entrepreneurship because I don't think it gives uh, credit to the hard work. And I think it's, it's, it, it seems to me anyway, it's regarded as a second uh, level tier of true entrepreneurship when in reality, it is the same journey as for-profit entrepreneurship or whatever. When you're talking about what you went through, you know, the, the thought provoking, finding that thing that resonated with you launching it impacting um and uh, and and continuing to build is is a real reinforcement that social entrepreneurship uh, focuses definitely deserves the 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 level of respect of any other business oriented or, or organization so uh, love that you uh, you've touched in that oh man I wanna, yeah I, wanna... I just want to i just want to speak to that for one second because sure. i think that yeah, absolutely. it's really important when you talk about social change in business um that that there be a, a real reconsideration around how we categorize that and also a real um, a real push and movement towards activism through business. And I say that because when you are really clear on your mission as an entrepreneur, as the creator, as the founder, and mine, as an example, is igniting transformational dialogue and cultivating intimate community in unconventional ways. And so everything that I build or create or do is filtered through that purpose statement. Mm. And it means that everything is tethered by the same um, by the same anchor. It's tethered to the same thing. And so every, every everything that I put out there in the world is actually a motion towards uh, a similar outcome and a similar mission. And I think that when you can think of yourself, um, as being able to be an activist through what you build, do and create, you then are really, um, innately a a social entrepreneur. And I I think it is Mm. really about getting clear on your mission in order to be able to do that. Uh, you mentioned that you have two young children. Um, do you live that mantra with bringing them up? that philosophy oh, with bringing yeah, them up for sure 
Yeah. What do you do that's kind of out there that people say, well, is she ever a freak? <laughs> I'm sure so many, I'm sure I do way more freaky things than I even realize. Um, yeah. My son, Rosen, he's three in September and my daughter Clooney is one. And yeah, so- I'm not surprised they have wonderful names like that. It doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, you know, here's an example. I went to pick him up the other day from, <laughs> from daycare and the woman is like I said I said oh it was Rosen's first day at this new place you know did he make any really good friends or who's he vibing with and she said oh my gosh (laughs) she said you know um you know your son he didn't you know he didn't single out any one particular person she said literally all day long was like the mayor of daycare <laughs> the mayor of daycare <laughs> and went around to every single young person who was doing something cool in the facility and like based on who was doing the most interesting thing at that moment he then went and socialized so he said she nice. said you know really quickly he uh he he kind of <laughs> owned the scene and then she said but um but just a question, does he ever wear shoes? And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) And she said, well, you know, like we're a licensed daycare and, you know, hand, foot and mouth, blah, blah, blah. And he won't put his shoes on. And I was like, yeah, good luck. I mean, my kid literally is missing like chunks of his toe because he just wears no shoes all day long. And we live in Whistler, BC. So he's a nature boy getting dirty and, and climbing and exploring. And, and I, I, I share that as a story because I think that it is all about room to explore. And that does mean you're going to get cuts, bruises. It means you're going to go and introduce yourself to somebody and you're going to be the social person who's putting themselves out there. And once in a while, you're going to get shut down because, you know, that person isn't ready for your energy yet. And, and I hope that... I, um, I'm, I'm in reinforcing that mission or these philosophies in my children by just getting out of their way. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I know our audience, Devin, are, um, and uh, I know you've got a hard stop here coming very soon and I want to respect that time. Um, but, uh, you know, you've, you're no longer involved, uh, at least on a, a, a regular basis with blow. You said you, the three founders have moved on. You are focusing on Babe rally. You're, uh, you know, you're hanging out with your family. What else are you doing for, are you doing anything else from a business perspective? <laughs> yes. So yeah, as with regards to blow, um, I stay involved by getting my hair done. <laughs> <laughs> nice, um, nice quality control, quality knowledge. Yeah. And I have a really exciting project in gestation, um, that I started in 2016 launching this year with my co-founder Shona Beats, who was, uh, the first employee of Headspace app and saw it through its growth with the founders to over a $300 million valuation and 10 million users. And together we're leveraging smart technology like AI and machine learning. And we're coming to market with a groundbreaking experience that makes world-class life coaching available at the click of a button. So you'll be able to book and live stream sessions with coaches from around the world through our platform on demand. And that's so life, life, life coaching, you know, there's life coaching, there's all kinds of coaches in the world. I mean, I hear this, I hear this and trust me, I believe in the, in the, in the, the value proposition of life coaching, but for our audiences that just kind of said, okay, life coaching, life coaching. I don't get it. What's the, what's the value proposition of life coaching? Forget about the technology that you're going to bring in to have it at the click of a button. Why would someone be interested or should be interested in having a life coach? Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, coaching, coaching is really about elevating the EQ. It's about being able to rinse through what is blocking you from defining, articulating and achieving your ambitions and goals. So this is really about, you know, enhancing the experience of personal development, making it customized, convenient, and powerful. And that's our mission Mm -hmm. with Sphere is to offer an experience um, that truly um, makes being in your leadership and and elevating yourself as an individual and growing uh, consistently the act, taking the act of seeking and making it something that you can do regularly with an entourage who's there to support you on demand. And, you know, that's really when you, when you dial it back and you look at all of the most successful people in the world, those people have entourages and individuals who are probably on payroll most of the time that are there to help them stay true to and accountable to their vision for themselves and their businesses. Mm. And I Mm. sat there and I thought, why are people waiting until they're making Mm. six figures responsible for hundreds of team members to start thinking about elevating their EQ and growing on the regular and staying in and addressing their leadership day to day. And how can I build something that makes this available for everybody and not just, you know, exclusive to somebody who can afford coaching at thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. Right. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. Love it. You're, you're going to create mass impact by your, your platform. That's very cool. So your son's name is Rosen. And what's your daughter's name again, please? Clooney. <laughs> Clooney. I love it. So it's Rosen and Clooney. We're going to role play here as for our last question. <laughs> and the last question is you're sitting down with them. They are both uh, five years plus. Um, actually, no, let's say they're 10 years plus uh-huh. in that. Cause now you're going to really make an impact to them about what they're going to do for the rest of their lives as they head into teenage hood and so on you're only allowed to recommend one book to them both of them or you can split it up if you want this one's for you Clooney and this one's for you Rosen but what is the book that you're going to recommend and you're never allowed to recommend a book to them again and it, it has to impact their life not necessarily their business world but it can be their personal what's the one book that you would recommend <laughs> Everybody poos. <laughs> of course, of freaking course, everybody poos. And that's not P-O-O-H, is it? No, it, uh, it, you know, and I'd say why, because it is like life. Of course I want to know why. Life is uncomfortable. Life is, life is embarrassing. Like the human experience is inherently weird. And Mm. I think that, you know, from a very, very young age, we condition children who become, you know, leaders and, and professionals to have so much shame about their body, their feelings, their innate deep desires. And, and so for me, it's, it's all about exposing them to the things that dismantle that conditioning from society and making it so they feel like whatever it is that they're in in that moment or experiencing in that moment, that um, there is no shame and there is no guilt and that they can express themselves in whatever way they're called to at any given time. Something tells me you've already read that book to them. 
<laughs> yeah, we definitely talk. Uh, there's a lot of body talk, a lot of uh, a lot of body talk going on in our home, and we're, we're definitely not not afraid to 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 talk about poop. Not when you have a three year old and a one year old. My my life, exactly. is, well, my life is inherently uncomfortable and full of dirty diapers. Yeah, and it's cool to say poop. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a good word. It's a good it's word. A good word. Yeah. Devin Brooks, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with you today. I wish I had another hour to spend with you to chat. You've got to go. Uh, unfortunately, entrepreneurs only have an attention span of 35 minutes. <laughs> and we're at that brink, which I'm no surprise. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, sharing your your soul and, uh, you know, your experiences of life. And uh, Everybody Poos is on my is on my book list <laughs> the now. Best, <laughs> best, best business book for, for you know, people because coming leaders absolutely rivers thank you so much and and anyone who has any interest in connecting uh, at devs development on social and um just so many positive vibrations your way thank you so much rivers thank you for joining us this week on the startup canada podcast a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business want access to resources and support to grow your business visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on twitter every wednesday and friday at 12 p.m eastern till next week i'm rivers corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode hi this is darpan munjal founder of squadhealth.com and you're listening to startup canada podcast with rivers corbett building their brand of which name is part of it um does it does it shock you that not enough companies actually give enough focus to something as important that they would by the way give to naming their own child you know it's kind of interesting um so there's a few different things that we we kind of see uh, personally i mean i've seen some companies you know spend a lot of time and effort but uh, i feel sometimes they're chasing a, a, a problem which they shouldn't be chasing so a lot of companies want of course names that are easy to pronounce names that are mm-hmm. one word that you know that they can buy a dot com url on names that can you know directly evoke a you know a, a strong meaning of what their business does but there is many different techniques that are out there in which uh, you know you can build a much stronger brand and not spend as much time and effort and money uh, by you know going after names that are more intriguing names that have a more of a emotional connection with your customer so i do think that um, while there are some companies who, who spend a lot of time and effort there are many who don't spend the right time and effort on solving the right problem um, yes on the other side yes there are quite a few who i believe do not recognize um, the value of what a strong name can do for you you know mm-hmm. this whole roi why should i spend few hundred dollars in yeah. coming up with the name what's the roi and it's an interesting topic i mean uh, uh, what's the roi of um, you know an additional 10% customers remembering you because you had a strong name oh, yes. or an additional 5% people recommending you to their friends because you know they 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 recalled your brand more than anybody else so there is a lot more um, uh, value than a lot of people think about when it comes to naming and branding and you know that's where you know uh, part of our job is to educate people in terms of how important branding is and then building the giving them the right tools to come up with one <laughs>